Hello once again, dear listeners. Welcome back as I talk with my good friend Jordan Dudgeon as we continue our discussion on the doctrine of theonomy. Does the Old Testament law still apply to today? That is, do the principles of the Old Testament law uh, apply? Are they applicable for running a godly society? And we ended off the last episode with me suggesting that the the Ten Commandments are not necessarily uh, applicable to today, but that the essence of them is still there present in the New Testament. And that's where we pick up in this episode. Hello, welcome to the PonderCast, where it's okay to think differently about the Bible and theology. Let's get pondering. I think a theonomist could totally agree with what you were just saying. You were saying Paul was interpreting the Old Testament law in a New Testament context. But that can't become so ambiguous that you, I mean, I mean, here's what I would ask you as a counter question. Which Old Testament laws do you need to find a New Testament context for? All of them or just some of them? Because if we can agree that every law needs to find a New Testament context, and you're not going to be selective about that, we can agree on that and work together to find its New Testament application and context, right? Um, but I think you get into sketchy territory when you're selective about which laws find a New Testament we, context. I mean, well, then I would say we don't need to try and find a New Testament application for laws because we have to keep in mind that this is a like there. What? Why is there such a tendency to try and make the New Testament applicable for like? every bit of it applicable i think we need to be re- like how what are the morals that i can learn from the old testament whereas it's a book of history and it's pointing toward like it has a historical center and a theological center pointing toward right. god making all things right right so in that i'll use the cursed word in that dispensation uh <laughs> Uh, uh, the that those laws were there for Israel, right? And right, Jesus, and that's, and, that's and so what the Westminster. I, I guess I'm saying is we don't have to look at the law and try and say how does how does this apply in, in a New Testament sense because it, it doesn't it doesn't really anymore. And even like you said earlier, how see like the punishment for thieves well what about like what jesus says about have mercy uh uh, don't seek revenge those kind of things like right you know jesus is kind of reversing these these laws like we have to deal with that as well so kind of in a new testament context i would see that very individually not to be applied nationally like individually a theonomist could still take all the principles of jesus about like like i said we're not we're not uh, vigilantes trying to do these things ourselves, right? Mm. You'd, you'd almost have to say with what you're saying that the New Testament law of love is, you'd almost have to say that there was a problem with the Old Testament law, that you couldn't practice God's law. Like there's a verse in Romans that says the will of God is perfect. It's like this. It's all fitted together. There's no parts that are contradictory. It can all work together. The whole counsel of God. So You'd have to, to say what you're saying, say that you can't practice mercy and justice and love in a New Testament context and practice the law of God 
from the Old Testament in a New Testament context at the same time, which would almost implicitly say that those two are contradictory, right? Um, but I mean, both are revelations. Christ is the revelation of the heart of the Father, and God's law is a revelation of the heart and the justice of the Father. And I don't think that you could say that those two things clash. So you could you could exercise both at the same time, right? I don't think mercy excludes justice, right? I mean, sometimes mm -hmm. mercy begs for justice, right? And so I would say this is why this is so dependent on a post-millennial eschatology or even an optimistic <laughs> amillennial eschatology. Right. Like, what do you do with the verses that say he'll write his law on the people's hearts? How do you decide which laws that are? It's just seems, it just seems to me like you, you'd be, I, I personally believe you could go to every law in the old Testament, excluding the training wheel laws, right? We don't need any temple laws. We don't need, excuse me. We don't need any sacrificial laws. Christ fulfilled those as our atonement. So we need, and, and then there's what Jeff Durbin would call training wheel laws to teach God's people how to be separate from the nation. So like mixed fibers, don't eat this kinds of meats, right? Though, I mean, even the not to eat certain kinds of meat is specifically done away with in the book of Acts in the New Testament. So those could be written off as training wheel laws, but the laws about justice, I mean, there was, there was no sense of justice in, in, the don't eat selfish and don't wear mixed fiber clothing. That wasn't a revelation of the heart of God's justice. That was just training wheels to show that God's people are going to be separate from the nations and the new thing he's doing. So those can be written off too. I would say you would be hard pressed to go through uh, the Mosaic laws, the judicial laws uh, and find one where you're unable to find a new Testament application where you're unable to find a modern application that you couldn't say was just. I think you could go through every law, barring the ones I just, you know, made an excuse for, and say this is just, this is good, this is a revelation of the Father's justice, uh, his mercy, his goodness, uh, and his will for his people, and we can find an application for that today. I don't think, I think God's law is just besides the people of Israel, and I see that you know, his New Testament people, his New Testament nation made of, of all nations and tons and people. I mean, that was the whole thrust of the Old Testament. Israel can't love the law of God. Israel can't keep the law of God. They need the Holy Spirit. They need the law of God written on their hearts. And now the people of God are the new Israel. You know, uh, mm -hmm. Peter says that you are a chosen uh, people. You're, you're priests unto God most high, right? And so that was the whole point of the new covenant promise that we'd love God's law, that actually Christ is doing something to fill it for us where we have failed. You know, Romans says overlooking previous times. Now he's displayed his justice on the cross. That's a paraphrase, but it make, makes the point where we failed up until Christ and up until the sending of the Holy spirit at Pentecost, Christ has made atonement for, and now given us the Holy spirit to love his law. So his people can be an obedient people. So now all of the pagan and Gentile nations can look at the people of God and, and fulfill the purpose of Deuteronomy 4 and look at the people of God and say, what a just God, you know, what a God so close to them. Nobody has a God like this. Look at his law. It's so just. And I just think you'd be hard pressed to find a law in the law of God, barring the ones I barred, and say there's no useful judicial application for this today if a nation sought to obey god or if an individual sought to obey god so just to answer your question to come back to your original question and just short form that i would see 
Jesus's teachings on mercy and love totally compatible with the law of God from the Old Testament. I mean, Christ gave that law. Christ was there for that law. You know, oh, of course, I'm not saying that he's reversing God's character. Like, I'm not right. saying that the God of the Old Testament is different than the God of the New Testament. I know you're, right, not, right. I'm, I know you're not saying that, uh, but that's what can come across as. Uh, I guess what I was saying is <clears throat> Jesus' ministry and teaching is a lot about mercy. And, right. and not not to negate justice. I mean, you look at Revelation and there's justice. Uh, and uh, I think a lot, I think some progressives want to add the word justice to the fruit of the spirit. But uh, I guess my issue is is saying that this is a law that is uh, like the Mosaic law is a law. It's it's not the definitive law like it's it, it, because in a sense it's been i'll say replaced by the law of the new testament so obviously it's not it was never meant to be and i think you can conclude that from hebrews it was never meant as as a definitive thing it was a manifestation at that time of the essence of god's eternal law uh so for the for Israel, who was existing as a nation at that particular time in history, because you know the laws kind of reflected, in a sense, other uh, law codes of of uh, the other nations, except kind of up the ante as well. So that I guess that's what I'm trying to say is why take a particular law meant for a nation and apply it to a, a nation for today. So if the government of Canada uh, decided we're going to follow the laws of the Bible, right? well, I would be pretty darn scared if they went to the Mosaic law right. to, uh, to, in, to craft their law code because it's so, well, it's so different from what we're, what we're used to. And also yeah. <laughs> just a different, just a different set. It's, it's just a different uh, time in redemption history right now where there is no longer a theological necessity for the law. Like if I guess I'm thinking of the law, there's a specific theological historical uh, use for it. And now that use has been fulfilled. So there's no, why, why even, I mean, Obviously, there could be benefit to it, but if all of God's people are comprised from every nation, tongue, and, and okay, let me let me rephrase that. I know that that's not correct because you're talking about a secular society, not the church. You're not saying that this is to be used in the church. Uh, it's to be used in a. Uh, I think I think that's what you're saying. It's like the well, it, it can it, be applied like, individually. Like too, the Mosaic right? Law is helpful for a nation today yeah yes if they if they seek to honor god so i guess i'll play out what you just said and then ask you a question so i don't see in the new testament that the law has found its salvifically the law has found its end 
I think that's the point of Hebrews that you're referring to. The law was never meant to justify, especially the priesthood law, right? Because that was that's the whole point of the book of Hebrews, that Christ is our better high priest. The old high priests kept dying, right? Uh, and I would, a theonomist would agree with you. That part of the law is totally vamus. The old priests kept dying. Christ is a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. He has fulfilled that. This priesthood could never save. It was never meant to. I don't think that just motivated from the text that you could say Hebrews is saying that the judicial laws of God or the justice revealed uh, in the in the Mosaic law from God's heart is now done away with because okay. I mean, it's, it's so that's what this is what you're getting at is you're kind of chopping up the mosaic law then into different parts and saying well the way that, that the new that testament not, does yeah that not all of the mosaic law has been ended but that right well then jesus wasn't jesus wrong then in saying the law has been fulfilled like that's well, that's all encompassing well when i'd have to look at the passage you're talking about what passage are you talking about when he says the law has been fulfilled in, well, I've come to fulfill the law uh, in Matthew 5. Right. And right before that, he says, I have not come to do away with the law. I've come to fulfill it. Right. So I would see that as playing out in a few ways. Okay. So if fulfilling the law, I mean, if Jesus prefaces that statement with, I have not come to do away with the law, then fulfilling the law cannot be doing away with the law. That's just the law of logic, something that isn't this, isn't that, right? So I haven't right. come to do away with the law, I've come to fulfill it. Theonomists believe that salvifically in our place, Christ has perfectly fulfilled the law, given us a positive righteousness that we have before the Father now, and died in our place for all of the times we failed the law. I mean, he died outside the city gates, he took the curse of the law on himself, found in Deuteronomy 28, he became a curse for us, salvifically, totally. Here's another way that the law is fulfilled, though. It's written on the hearts of God's people. God's people will now love the law of God. Like, I don't see the New Testament ever saying, now the moral and judicial laws are done away with. I totally see the New Testament in the book of Hebrews, like you were saying, saying that the Levitical laws were done away with, the priesthood laws, the sacrificial laws. But what, what does God want to do in his people's hearts? What is, the, what is the Old Testament promise of the new covenant, right? That's all what this is getting to. And as that applies to the nations, I mean, the coastlands wait for his law. Which law? That can't be some ambiguous law of love in the heart of the believer. Otherwise, there wouldn't be national references to it. Otherwise, Isaiah 9-6 wouldn't say, you know, the government will be upon his shoulders. It has to be some sort of judicial law. And I don't think that any first century Christian reading that after the resurrection in light of it would see it as any other law besides the law right i mean it's in its own context in the old testament you see all of these israelites cannot obey the law of god they don't love the law of god the good law of god. here's here here's before i go too far because i think i'm just repeating myself now here's the question that i had for you actually that i thought of you said if tomorrow you know there was a a massive revival in canada which is something else i wanted to say i'll say this really quick and then i'll ask you that question you're kind of right to say postmillennialists are expecting a massive revival and then on the heels of that the nations will obey him that's true in a sense but i don't think all postmillennialists would say it that way i wouldn't i don't think there's going to be an at once national revival to usher in the golden age right christ said the kingdom of god is like a lump of leaven 
in, in mm. bread. It's, it slowly works its way through, right? So mm. it can be progressive. There doesn't have to be a massive national revival. I mean, you look back to 2000 years ago, there's more Christians on the earth today than there was people on the earth 2000 years ago. So in a progressive sense, you can see the kingdom of God growing. You can see, you know, and it's like, if you're going up a mountain, there's, there's peaks, right? You have, you have valleys and stuff, but you're still going up the mountain and it's progressive. So you can't base it off of what you see around you right now. But anyway, I just wanted to clarify that while I was thinking about it. Um, now you said that if there was a Canadian revival and we decided we were going to uh, obey the law of God, right? And I would see that as an outplay prophetically of the coastlands, wait for his law. The government will be upon his shoulders. Um, and I don't see any reason that the, the pagan and Gentile nations around us, if we became a people of God as a nation again, why it wouldn't be God's heart for them to look at us and say, look at these people with such a close and just God. I don't see why there would be a change in that. You said that you would be scared if they decided they were going to implement the judicial mosaic law, barring the priesthood laws. I guess my question for you is why would you be scared of that? And why would that bother you? Well, the, <laughs> the laws, the mosaic law is so radical. Uh, right. That, uh, you have to be so careful to follow it carefully or be penalized. Whereas now, see, this is, this is, there, there, there is, let I me finish, let me finish my thought here because sure. Paul says it's been for freedom that you've been set free. Right. Like there's an element of freedom about his law. So right. that is, that's God's heart is for right. people to be free. So why, right. why do we want to enslave people with kind of a burdensome uh, way of doing things? Whereas, I mean, you could say, well, it wasn't necessarily a hard and fast uh, rule book, uh, but in a sense it's, and, and it's very, uh, like there, there are things that are in there that are promises specifically for uh, for Israel. If they if they do these things, they will be blessed yeah. as a nation. Right. And I don't interpret those verses to mean like for nations now. So when we say uh, if this country became a country that followed Christian moral values. Well, that's great. Actually, that I'm not against that. <laughs> Absolutely not. Right. I'm not. I'm not saying there shouldn't be Christian values in our society. What I'm arguing right. against is against is a mosaic, uh, like a mosaic use of of law on society. What I'm getting at is, if there's Christian morals in society, but people's hearts aren't changed, then God isn't right. gonna care, isn't going to care about that. So I think maybe exactly. this is this right. is probably where we're getting to agreement is society changes for the like actually changes when people are re uh, regenerated right uh, and more more people are regenerated and i don't i don't know how that would play into my eschatology uh i guess i just think that god is god's new creation has been started and he's going to complete it at the end and when people 
are regenerated. They're part of that new creation and they're part of the new society. Like it's, it's supplanting the new society. And so, right. um, So when it talks about, if you do these things, I will bless you. Right. uh, I, I, I'm just of the belief that everything in the old Testament is fulfilled in Christ and it'll be fulfilled not well fulfilled now or fulfilled when he comes back. Oh, uh, amen. So, I would so say even, even with those blessings and cursing, uh, I think, I think we see that in Galatians where, uh, and, and even manifested in a little bit in Ephesians, like the blessings that come because Christ is the new Israel. Like, he he fulfills he he becomes the nation of israel no he doesn't do away with the law and the prophets he's still like there's he's still taking on the essence of the law in the sermon on the mount uh like he talks about being peacemakers um being merciful being pure in heart uh like these are things that are not necessarily in the law like being a peacemaker right and, and and like there's a whole theology of of peacekeeping that can come out of that and pacifism right, so, right. but jesus definitely expected the pharisees to come to the, the conclusions even if not word for word precisely he expected them in their hearts with the law of God to come to the practical conclusions of the Sermon on the Mount, right? I mean, it doesn't have to turn into this pharmaceutical dreary thing like it was in the first century or like it was in Jesus's time when he showed up. So this is what you're saying then it seems like is we have, we take the Mosaic law and we have to look at every single judiciary law in the, in the Mosaic law and say, how do we apply this? How do we apply this? Like, how does this apply? Like you're, you're, so what you're getting at is you're, you're taking the principles. You're not necessarily like using it black and white or you're taking. Right. Yeah, exactly. Principles. Like I, like I said, we wouldn't build a fence around the roof of our house. Okay. We apply that directly. Maybe, but you've, we would... maybe you've been repeating yourself and I'm starting to now get it. <laughs> here's an important distinction though with the with the deuteronomy eight here's what will happen if you keep the laws exactly here's what will happen if you break the law once right and there's horrible curses and there's amazing blessings right amen we receive all those blessings in christ amen christ took that curse for us amen everything is fulfilled in christ i think we would just disagree on what that fulfillment looks like does that fulfillment look like the ceasing of the dispensation of the law? Does that fulfillment look like a people coming to love that law? I mean, does, I would say that that's fulfilled in Christ and I would say he's fulfilling it. He's fulfilled it positionally for us and he's yeah. fulfilling it like the Old Testament promises by putting it on the hearts of his people, fulfilling it through his people, not salvifically, but prophetically, right? Eschatologically, uh, so that we can be a light to the world. And I mean, yes, the Old Testament law was radical, but it was just, and I don't like, I think, I think that, I mean, and I know you're not saying this, but I think something implicit when people would say this is that the law of God isn't just that. We just don't want to implement that today because we see it as unfair. And I mean, Oh no, I know you're not saying that. Here's how I'm trying. I'm trying to work out what I'm thinking here. I think that the law of God is a lot more just than what we have today. So, for example, in the law of God, if you stole somebody from some, something from somebody, 
you would repay it fourfold. There was retribution. There was actual justice. Mm. There was actual satisfaction of the victim. Today, if you steal $10 million from me, I might be able to find you, whatever. But if you burn that $10 million in a field and I can't find mm. you, I get no retribution. I get no justice. Mm. And you get locked up in a cell for up to 50 years. I think that's crueler than you having to give me re- re- retribute, uh, retributive justice, right? Retribution. It's a lot crueler mm. to lock you up in a cell where you have to waste away for 50 years in a small box where humans made in the image of God were not meant to be and stay sane. And I get no justice, right? The law of God has way better solutions to these things. And I mean, even, even I think that a lot of the progressive law today that they wish to implement what they call social justice, right? I'm all for social justice, but what modern progressives call social justice, I think that's a lot more hardcore than the law of God. So for example, for a crime in the law of God, it mandates that there's actual justice always uh, at least as much as it can, because it says something has to be established on the basis of two or three witnesses, right? If the progressives had their way, everything would be established on the basis of a claim, you know? You have to believe the victim. You have to believe the victim. Well, that's that comes from a, a lack of eschatological faith. A theonomist believes that, okay, we don't own ultimate justice. We're not trying to practice mm. ultimate salvific justice. So if here's what we're not going to do, though. If we don't have two or three witnesses for a crime, like the law of God says, we won't convict somebody. Are we going to miss some crimes? Oh, well, some people are going to get away with things. Well, not if you believe in an eschatological judgment, no one's going to get away with anything. But in the meantime, we ought to practice justice somehow. I mean, you could say, well, the New Testament says practice mercy in this. Well, you would still agree with punishment somewhere for some law breaking, right? And you wouldn't mm-hmm. say that that's, that that's going against Jesus saying to practice mercy, right? I'm right, just saying, right, right. Who, I'm just saying whose, whose standard of justice do we apply? Whose penalty do we apply? Right. And I think you can simultaneously practice Christ's mercy and God's justice. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and the death and, and penalty, I, I, there's I, a lot of views within theonomy right. on that. Okay. I guess I'm just saying you don't need the Mosaic law to practice God's justice. Uh, I think it's a revelation because, of it that would really well, help you do so. I mean... The Mosaic law shows us that God is just. That yes. I think that is a key theological. And, and I know you said that. I'm just reiterating that. And I agree with that. That the Mosaic law shows us God's justice. And right. points us toward a greater theological, historical thing. But at the same time, I mean, you had the... Societies change. Societies evolve. Things get more complex. And we can't necessarily appeal to a uh, to the to uh, a law code that was written how many thousands of years ago to be definitive. And I'm not sure you're saying that, but like you know, your example of somebody who's stolen all your money. Well, it's right. cruel to throw them in jail. Well, on the other hand, though, you want them to not steal money so if they're in jail then it's less likely that they're going to steal money well and, 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 but, and at the same well. time at the same time uh this what is a pauline principle is get them out of the assembly so that they can learn repentance and then they can come back isn't that yes. a, a good principle for society as well you need to learn how to become a good citizen of society 
So you go and, and theoretically, I mean, obviously prison, there needs to be prison reform uh, where like, why is somebody stealing money? What is going on there? I mean, if somebody's poor and, uh, and they're not being taken care of, right. And they need the money and then they get thrown in jail for how many years that, I mean, that does seem pretty cruel. Okay. Uh, so here's, here's what I would say to that just really quick. But, and, but I just want to make a mind. point though. Sorry. Sure because it's on my mind is uh, that when the law was written, was there any such thing as jail? Uh, and, and so having that kind of right, you know, there's still that element of justice. Like how do, right. how, how do we say what is just and what isn't? And I think we're kind of getting into a whole different conversation. So why don't you say what you were thinking? Okay. I was, uh, I was just saying, Ooh, my phone might be dying, but that's okay. Let me just see here. Okay. Can well, you still see and hear running me? Running out of time here. Yeah, I can hear okay. you. Okay. Let me just wrap up. I think that there's a lot less ground to take New Testament local church application and apply that to a nation's prison and go, well, you're supposed to kick somebody out of the congregation. So you can apply that to kick them out of society into a jail. I think that's a lot less defendable from the scriptures than applying the judicial law, the Mosaic law. Uh, because now you're blurring the lines between church and state and taking church principles and applying them judicially to the state. Right. I'm taking I, I'm, judicial I'm, principles. I'm not taking it definitively. I'm actually, I'm looking at it from right. a, from a Christian standpoint. Right. Uh, and, and I, th- but that's what you're getting at though, is people, well, people turning their hearts toward God and saying, how do we honor God in our society? And I think it's much better to do that from the New Testament because uh, like you're looking at a theonomy, uh, theonomy from the perspective that people are becoming Christians. Right. And so for a Christian, the law has, well, from my perspective, the Old Testament law has, has I hate using the word uh, been replaced because it hasn't right. been, but that's essentially what's happened. Right. Um, I think that that's what I mean. I'm not saying it's definitive, but at the same time, if, if Christians are becoming saved and they're trying to run society, would it not be better to use new Testament principles? Because that is right. That is how we are to live as Christians is by the New Testament principles of be gentle, be patient, be kind, be loving. Loving, I, does, loving does not negate justice either. Right. And I would, I would say it again. I think the New Testament principles are just the logical conclusion of the Old Testament law. Jesus' whole thing with the Pharisees was, if you really were obeying the law, if you really were obeying the heart of the law and not adding your mandate traditions to it, would you not already be showing mercy, justice, love, right? Like mm. Christ came to fulfill the law and in the life of Christ, in the appearance of Christ, the advent of Christ, he shows the law perfectly. I don't think he shows something better than the law, right? He certainly made a better way salvifically than through the law. I think he reveals the heart of the law. I think Christ is the embodiment of what it would look like if somebody truly followed the law of God. And so can mm-hmm. we say with the psalmist, you know, I love your law. Help me walk diligently in your statutes because Christ is a fulfillment of all of these Psalms. He is, he is the one who's ascended the hill of Zion for us. He's the one who's kept the law perfectly. And so even if we think Christ, 
I mean, you have to say that Christ kept the Mosaic law for us um, and then went to the tree to pay for the penalty of it, right? Right, right. I mean, if you don't believe we're supposed to keep the Mosaic law today, well, Christ Christ was able to keep the Mosaic law and practice justice and mercy. I would say he kept the Mosaic mm-hmm. law through doing that. Mm-hmm. Right. But he also said the law is summed up in love God, love your neighbor. And that's where I would backlog that into the Old Testament and say all of the laws are situational outplayings of what it looks like to love God and love your neighbor, right? I mean, if you... Well, so was so are the New Testament laws, though, for uh, for people who come from all sorts of nations and societies who have different yeah. laws. Like, it's about how do you apply the New Testament to the laws that are in your land? I think that's that's probably what the New Testament is getting at because they're not dealing with Jews anymore. They're dealing and like, why are they telling Jews to for, like forget about the law pretty much? Well, forget about going to the temple to offer your sacrifices. I mean, the whole point of the book of Hebrews, for example, but, is- but that's what I mean is if it's, if it's one part of the law, then it's the whole part. So I think there's a clear new Testament distinction though, between the Levitical laws and the moral law. Right. I mean, you have to draw a distinction between the laws. You wouldn't say we shouldn't keep the Ten Commandments today, but you would say we shouldn't keep the Levitical laws, right? Everybody has to draw the distinctions. A theonomist is just going, I'm not going to draw any distinctions that I don't see the New Testament explicitly drawing. And we don't see the New Testament explicitly doing away with all of the Mosaic mm-hmm. law, just the Levitical law, the holiness code, the training wheel laws, right? And so we see Christ's life as a fulfillment of the Mosaic law. And we go, this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like to fulfill all of the Mosaic law perfectly. That's embodied in Christ. And he can Mm. do that perfectly. And it's not that he has to practice love and mercy in spite of that law. It's because he kept that law perfectly, because he is the revealed heart of the father, because Mm. he is perfectly obeying God that he is just and merciful and loving and tender and caring. Right. Like, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, I think we'll have to stop there and Alrighty. say, we, uh, we obviously disagree. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we both need to take a deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's been the most heated discussion on the Pondercast yet. So well, that's good. <laughs> oh, wow. Good conversation. Good, really good discussion. Yeah. Good to have yeah. you on. Uh, really good. Hopefully, you can come back on. And uh, I'm hoping that we can, if I say this on the podcast, maybe he'll come on. Hoping to uh, uh, harangue uh, Jeremy Lawson on here with you and talk mm. about post millennialism. Ooh, that'd be nice. <laughs> That'd be nice because I don't think he's a theonomist, so I can be on his back mm. about why are you a post-millennialist who's not a post-millennialist? <laughs> well, you have a, yourself a good evening, sir. Uh, you do. And uh, until next week. Keep on pondering. Keep on pondering.